So when we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than simply studying an ancient text. More importantly, to the previous piece, think about how this God is going to look on you with affection and delight when you execute in 2024. So let's take a moment of silence to clear out our minds and quiet our hearts. Think about how God's word will apply to you going forward. When one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, Happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. And Jesus replied, A certain man hosted a large dinner and invited many people. When it was time for the dinner to begin, he sent a servant to tell the invited guests, Come, the dinner's now ready. One by one, they all began to make excuses. The first one told him, I bought a farm. I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I bought five teams of oxen, and I'm going to check on them. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, and I can't come. When he returned, the servant reported these excuses to his master. The master of the house became angry. He said, he told the servant, go quickly to the city streets, the busy ones, the side streets. Bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. I don't care. The servant said, master... Your instructions have been followed, and there is still room. The master said to the servant, go to the highways, the back alleys, and urge people to come so that my house will be filled. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will taste my dinner. Hey friends, if you don't know me, I'm Chuck. I'm one of the pastors here at Nova. I'm going to start with a little bit of a personal story. <clears throat> I felt anxiety rise in my chest as I drove up to the guard gate. There, beyond the driveway, there lay a sprawling mansion that looked like it could have been you know, featured on the cover art of Clue, the board game. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just thinking, I don't belong here. It was my junior year in college, and um, I was during my, it was during my short-lived tenure as an RA. I just so happened to have been assigned to be an RA of the, the floor where the men's basketball team lived. Now, you... If you don't know me, I'm not that into sports. Um, I'm not especially strong or fast or agile. My stamina is like, you know, I'm not an athlete, okay? And I'm pretty clueless about sports in general. Growing up, this was a great source of insecurity for me. Now picture me living surrounded by NCAA athletes. I didn't belong. I'm six foot even, um, maybe slightly above average, just slightly above average height for a guy. So in my life, I don't normally feel short. I did that semester. (laughs) I was acutely aware of how much taller all the guys that I was living with were. 
I was a constant physical reminder that I didn't belong. Then, one day, I got word that our floor's adoptive wing parents wanted to have our floor over dinner. Now, these, these wing parents were local alumni who took it on themselves to connect with and care for college students. Okay, well, it turns out that these particular alumni were, let's just say, rather wealthy. They were major donors to my university and also lifelong basketball fans. The husband had actually played basketball for my college during his time there. And so you need to picture me, middle, middle class, unathletic me, and I'm supposed to sit down and have dinner with these super rich alumni and the men's basketball team. I didn't belong. Like me, I'm sure that you've had times when you felt like you didn't belong. Times that you felt like you didn't fit in. Times you felt like an outsider. We all have this core need, this core need to belong. And we also have this core anxiety that we don't belong. That we don't belong, not really. Or maybe we can belong, but only if we perform or if we conform, then maybe we could belong. You might be here tonight and you might actually be wondering the same thing, like, do I fit in here? And underneath all of that, many of us are carrying the same question about God. Do I belong close to God? Does God welcome and accept me? Or do I have to perform or conform to be accepted by God? Tonight's scripture reading, which John read for us just now, it's all about insiders and outsiders and who belongs. Let me unpack that. There's this guy who is throwing a party, and he's invited all the usual suspects, his friends, his family, all the people that you would expect to be there. He's invited the insiders. But once the tables are set and the food is ready, all the people who RSVP'd yes, they're making all sorts of excuses why they can't be there. The insiders are opting out. And man, the host is ticked off. He doesn't want all his preparations to go to waste, and so he tells his servant, go quickly to the city streets, the busy ones and the side streets, and bring the poor, crippled, blind, and lame. Definitely not the usual suspects. Not the people that you'd expect to see at this man's party. The servant says, okay, way ahead of you, way ahead of you on this, boss. It's already done, but there's actually still empty seats. What should we do? The host says, okay, go out even further. Go outside the town, to the highways, go to the country roads, invite everyone you find. I want my party to be full. So the invitation goes out, not just to outsiders, but to the far outsiders, the total strangers. The guy says, invite them all in. And then the parable ends with this rather shocking line. 
I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. The insiders who opted out are going to miss out. Now let's pause for a moment. This all is a little perplexing, isn't it? It almost sounds as if the host is only inviting all of these outsiders to his party in order to get, at, get back at the people who turned him down. He's like, you no-shows, I'm going to replace you. And there's definitely an edge to what Jesus is saying here. What's going on here? Well, when you hear Jesus telling this story, you need to picture a circle of angry men. Their arms crossed, disapproving looks on their faces. Because Jesus is telling this story at a dinner at the house of a Pharisee, this group of religious influencers in Jesus' day. Jesus wasn't telling this story to a favorable audience or even a neutral audience. These were people who were critical of him, testing him, trying to catch him out. They were his enemies. And that's why there's such an adversarial tone to this story. Jesus was speaking to these religious leaders, and they were the insiders who were opting out. They were the expected people who were backing away from Jesus and his invitation. These religious leaders were saying, this can't possibly be the guy. Because, for one thing, look, he eats with sinners. Have you ever noticed how Jesus is almost always eating? As one biblical scholar put it, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is either at a meal, leaving a meal, or on his way to a meal. Meals are a big deal in Scripture. Sharing a table with someone is a sign of welcome and inclusion and acceptance. It was this public, public declaration that you belong here. The religious insiders, they were opting out precisely because of the sort of people that Jesus was inviting in. The outsiders are being invited in, but the insiders are opting out. That's exactly what is happening around this story that Jesus is telling. One of the remarkable features of Jesus' life mission is how much of it happened around a table. In this way, Jesus reveals something really essential about who God is. I want to share this image with you. This is an icon made by the Eastern Orthodox painter Andrei Rublev. It portrays this odd story from the Jewish scriptures when Abraham is visited by three mysterious figures. Abraham invites them to sit down and share a meal with him. And somehow, mysteriously, these three figures seem to speak on behalf of the Lord, of Yahweh, the, the personal name of God in the Old Testament. This icon is simply titled Trinity. Christian faith makes this unique claim 
that God is three in one. One God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in this picture, they're portrayed sitting around a table, sharing a meal, loving and mutually serving each other. We're in the middle of our series, Self-Giving God. And we're looking at the beauty and the scandal of a God who gives of himself. Last week, our guest, Carrie Jenkins, talked about one aspect of what it means that we're created in the image of a three-in-one God. Because you are made in the image of the Trinity, that means you are made for community, for belonging. And so is every person that you encounter. We are all made for belonging. Now, I want to show another more modern depiction of the Trinity in art. I think it really speaks to our desire for... Just kidding, I can't do it. (laughs) It's terrifying, isn't it? Okay, now that can live in your imagination um, and haunt your nightmares the way it does mine. (laughs) Sorry. Seriously, uh, let me share this contemporary icon um, that was created by the artist Paul Rivas. In this picture, the three persons of the Trinity are portrayed as sitting at a corner booth, laughing together. Jesus, on the left hand, is laughing so hard he has tears in his eyes. In the center, the Holy Spirit is throwing her head back in laughter as she leans on the shoulders of the Father and the Son. And the Father on the right is beckoning to you and to me, inviting us to come hang out with them. Daryl Johnson, in his book, Experiencing the Trinity, wrote this, in the deepest mystery of his being, God is an intimate relationship, a fellowship, a community of love. Experiencing the Trinity That's a really apt title, because the Trinity isn't an abstract doctrine, a philosophical puzzle for Christian intellectuals to theorize about. No, the Trinity is an invitation to experience the life of God. James Bryan Smith, in his book, The The Magnificent Story, writes, This is the heart of the Trinity, giving oneself for the good of the other. Giving oneself for the good of the other. The mutual joy and self-giving love shared between each person of the Trinity, we are invited into that. Nova Church, this is what we mean when we talk about our mission of inviting people to enjoy life with God. The outsiders are being invited in. But it doesn't just stop with us. The circle keeps expanding. Remember what the servant said. Master, your instructions have been followed and there is still room. There is still room. That's the nature of the kingdom of God. That's the nature of the triune God. That's the nature of the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus. Rachel Held Evans, Christian blogger and writer, once wrote this. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered 
at a table. Not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry. Because they said yes. And there's always room for more. So here we are, back at the dinner table. A bunch of angry men, arms folded. They're listening as Jesus tells this confrontational story about the outsider being invited in and the insider opting out. The religious leaders were scandalized by the sort of people that Jesus was telling them to invite to sit down at their table. And so they were trying to close their circle. They were trying to keep the insiders in and the outsiders out. But here's the really sad irony that Jesus was trying to communicate to them. In all their efforts to close their circle, they were actually closing Jesus outside their circle too. Their closed circle actually excluded God himself, God in the flesh. Because Jesus became an outsider. He bore the rejection, the stigma, and the abandonment. And in the end, he was shunned, exiled, sent outside the city walls to die on a Roman cross. Jesus became an outsider so that he could invite us in. Understanding this, this self-giving nature of God, friends, is the key to our growth as followers of Jesus. Everything flows out of this reality, this understanding of God as a self-giving God. Next Sunday, Carrie Jenkins is going to be back with us to help us dig into some of the specific ways that our practice of hospitality can flow out of this reality. But for now, as we prepare to take communion together, I want to leave you all with, with a question to reflect on. The question is this. What are you doing with Jesus' invitation? What are you doing with Jesus' invitation? Have you taken Jesus up on his offer? This offer of life with God. If not, you can just simply say to Jesus, Yes, Jesus, I want that. And if you're not even sure what that means, I want to invite you to come talk to me or to Katie or one of the leaders after our service. Uh, We'd love to tell you more about what it means to enjoy life with God. And for those of us who are following Jesus, let me ask, do you really believe that you belong near God? That God welcomes you as you are in the deepest core of your being? And I'm not just looking for like the Sunday school answers. Yeah, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know. Do you really believe that God fully welcomes you? All of you, every part of you, every part of you, not just the presentable parts, not just the cleaned up religious parts, but the parts of yourself that you're not sure what to do with, the parts that might not seem welcome in church, the parts that you might hide or fear. Do you believe, not just in your head, but in your bones, that all of you, every part of you, has a seat at God's table? That every part of you 
belongs. What are you doing with Jesus' invitation? And friends, um, just as Jesus has welcomed each of us, we are called to welcome each other. Let's just take a moment and reflect on that question. What are you doing with Jesus' invitation? Just take a moment to reflect. Jesus, we do thank you that you have welcomed us into your loving arms, that you've invited us to enjoy this life, this life that you share with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, that you've shared with us too. Help us to live into this reality, to accept your invitation, and to receive your love in every part of our lives, in every part of who we are. We thank you. Amen.